Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Wijha Initiative podcast. These podcast episodes are recordings of our past events that we hold in person on a weekly basis. We hope that by listening to the podcast, you'll be inspired to join us at an event. To keep up with our work, please follow us on Instagram. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا رب العالمين أما بعد. So on Fridays we've been going through a book called Treatise for the Seekers of Guidance. I usually have the book with me on hand today. Actually, I, I didn't bring it, but I have the I have the text in front of me. And uh, the section and so the book is really about foundational concepts of Islamic spirituality. So this week, inshallah, the author speaks a little bit about keeping the end in mind. So the author says, I'll just read the text and then we'll kind of explore it. The author says, visit the graves with single-minded focus and they'll remind you of death. Take a journey to the place of the resurrection in your heart. Then he quotes the companion Abu Dhar as saying, Work as if you see God and consider yourself among the dead. Okay, so, sounds a bit esoteric, no? Right? A bit morbid. It's okay. We'll, we'll actually discuss how that's not the case. The topic really, if we were to summarize it in one kind of statement would be remembrance of death. And uh, Imam al-Ghazali, he says that people, when it comes to remembering death, they're of, you know, three different types. There are people who never think about death because they're just completely engrossed in this world. They're like drunk on the pleasures of the world. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, that's, in our religion, that's frowned upon. Interestingly, and sometimes that's that's not the thing we want to hear. Do you know what I'm saying? We don't want to hear about death. And death seems like a very, uh, a very negative thing. Something that takes away from enjoyment in life. However, throughout the Quran and in the Hadith, I'll mention some words of our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. There's a lot of emphasis on remembering death and reflecting on death. And that's, again, I want to really emphasize that's not to kind of just engulf your life with gloom. It's actually the opposite. If we hold the right perspective, and that's going to be the goal today, is to explain how the remembrance of death actually enriches your life. And you might be like, no, that's not possible. I'm going to try. Okay? We'll talk about it. Number one, Imam al-Ghazali says some people are just completely engrossed in this world. They just, uh, they don't think about death. They don't want to think about death. Would you say, would you agree with me if I said that the majority of people are like that? How many of y'all would agree with me and say, yeah, most people are like that? Alright? And we'll talk a little bit about why that is. Because I think it's a very interesting phenomenon. Number two, he says there are people who occasionally remember death. So they try, but they'll, they'll, they might remember death when someone passes away. 
Or when you go to the masjid and there's a janazah and there's a funeral and then you're like, oh yeah, we're going to die. You know? Some people, time to time. And then he says the third is the type of person who's at peace with death. Who's very much comfortable with the idea. They've made peace with the, with the idea that they're going to die. Now that sounds a little bit negative, right? Like, at peace with death. Well, what are you like, depressed? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, how do you walk around at peace with death? And how do you then enjoy life? And interestingly, like I said, my argument's going to be that actually, no, they might be the people who maximize their experience in life. Okay? There's a hadith where Anas radiallahu anhu reported that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Remember often the destroyer of pleasures, death. The Prophet said this. Frequently remember the destroyer of pleasures. What is the destroyer of pleasures? Death. Now, doesn't that sound like trying to take the fun out of life? How many of y'all feel like that? It kind of sounds like that, no? Don't worry, if you say yes, you're still Muslim. Like, some are like, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, my iman's at stake here. No, like, just, if someone were to read that, they might be like, man, Islam's like a really pessimistic religion. You're supposed to just remember death all the time, and like, so you don't enjoy stuff, no pleasures. The Prophet goes on to explain. He says, فَإِنَّهُ مَا ذَكَرَهُ أَحَدٌ فِي ضِيقٍ مِّنَ الْعَيْشِ إِلَّا وَسَّعَهُ عَلَيْهِ Look at this, subhanAllah. He says, if somebody's living a hard life, remembering death actually gives them some peace. Why? Because it means an end to their hardship and their suffering. Do you understand? Because sometimes you can look at your life and say what? Now, that doesn't mean, like, what, I'm, what, what I'm not saying here is that the idea that, oh, at least my suffering will come to an end. It's not that. It's that what lies after death. Do you understand? Someone's going through such... Have you ever seen someone lose a loved one? To the point that life for them becomes almost unbearable without that person. Do you know what I'm saying? And all they want to do is reconnect with that person. You know, the Prophet ﷺ, before he passed away, he told his daughter Fatima, when I pass away, the very first person or one of the very first people to meet me will be you, O Fatima. Six months after the Prophet ﷺ passed away, she passed away. And she was extremely distraught at the passing of the Prophet ﷺ. When you lose somebody, isn't that kind of what you look forward to? Think about someone who's lost a child. Sometimes life is just not it. And all they can think about is what? When I pass away, I'm going to be reunited with that person. So then you actually look forward to it. You see what I'm saying? When you're going through something challenging, you can actually look forward to passing away and ultimately meeting the person that you're longing for. Sayyiduna Bilal radiallahu an, the famous companion, when he was passing away, he was smiling. And people were like, uh, you're passing away, man. Look, why are you happy? And he said, tomorrow I get to meet Muhammad and his companions, sallallahu alayhi wa Do you understand? And so there was actually something to look forward to. 
And the absence of the Prophet ﷺ was obviously every single day was a source of pain. Someone had their hand up, yeah? Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. Yes, authentic hadith, beautiful hadith, beautiful hadith. And we, there's, there's many hadith like this. Um, the hadith, in case you didn't hear it, was that when a mother passes, or, or a child passes away due to a miscarriage, on Qiyamah, the mother will be dragged and led to paradise by the umbilical cord of that child. You understand? And that's a huge solace and comfort for that mother. And so parents can look forward to meeting their children. You know, children can look forward to meeting their deceased parents. Spouses can look forward to the, the spouse that's passed away. So he says, by remembering death, if you're, going through a, if you're living a difficult life, it actually gives your heart some peace, some comfort. Now, what happens if life is good? He says, وَلَا فِي سَاعَةٍ إِلَّا ضَيَّقَهُ عَلَيْهِ He says, if life is good for you, you're really enjoying life, mashaAllah, what death will do is it'll keep you in line. It'll keep you from becoming rebellious in front of God. Because sometimes that happens, no? When you're having such a good time that you forget the commands of God. He says that Remembering death helps kind of keep you grounded. It keeps you humble. It keeps you in, in touch with reality. Does that make sense? And so, death, remembering death, is not just to like, take out all the fun. That's why we don't ask for death. In our religion, we're, not, we're taught not to ask for death. The Prophet ﷺ in one hadith, in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad, he, it's mentioned that he came to the house of his uncle Abbas. And Abbas was probably in a lot of pain, so he was complaining and he was talking about like, man, I wish God would just take me. And the Prophet ﷺ said, oh Abbas, oh, oh my uncle, don't wish for death. Why? He said, listen, if you're doing good, you'll have an opportunity to do more good if you live. And if you're not doing good, you're actually sinning, extra life gives you a chance to repent. Do you understand? So don't ask for death. We're taught, ask for life with good deeds. If you want to ask for, Ya Allah, give me a long life, and if you make dua for somebody, may Allah grant them a long life with good deeds. Always add that. The best of people are those who have long lives, but they have good deeds throughout that life. Merely good long life is not sufficient. Does that make sense? Yeah, what's up? Does it count for kids? Does it count for kids? Absolutely, man. <laughs> long life. Ask for a long life. And ask for a long life with good deeds. Absolutely. You understand? So he's saying, don't ask. we don't ask for death. We ask for life. Because if you're doing good, you have more opportunities to do good. And if you're not doing good, you have opportunities to seek forgiveness. So ours is not a deen of like, you know, I just want to die or something. Like, ours is a deen of life and of living. But death is a reality. So it doesn't help to ignore that reality. 
Here's a question. How many Eids do you think you have left? You don't know. Let's say you lived until you were 60. How many Eids do you got? How many Eids do you have with your parents? Do you understand? I think I heard someone saying, don't say that. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good. No, no, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, this is a really interesting phenomenon, right? How... Every single one of us knows with certainty that we're going to die. Every single one of us knows with certainty that we're going to die. Here's the challenge. Our minds can't seem to really accept that reality, no? Do you know what I'm saying? Like we know it, but we will not act like it. Right? We, we won't conduct ourselves in a way that reflects a person who knows they're going to die. Now, here's a, here's, here's a clear example of that. If somebody is told they have one year left to live, it would probably be reflected in the way they live, no? If we have, you know, for some of us, what if that year has already begun and we don't even know? See, we all know we're going to die. The idea that I don't know when, doesn't change its reality. It just changes the time when it's going to happen. So there's a book um, by Stephen Cave, it's called Immortality, and he's talking about, he says, he says, on the one hand, our powerful intellects come to the conclusion that we, like all other living things around us, must one day die. Yet on the other, the one thing that these minds cannot really imagine is that very state of non-existence. It's literally inconceivable. That you don't know what it's like to be dead. Neither do I. We have no idea what that's like. He says, death therefore presents itself as both inevitable and impossible to conceive of. Do you understand? So it means you know rationally that you're going to die, and yet you can't really understand its non-existence. Like life's non-existence. And this is a real... Uh, a real dilemma, I think, that we face. But it, it, it helps to really face the fact that how many Ramadans do I have left? I don't know. See, if we talk about days, you might be like, well, I got thousands maybe. But if we start breaking it down to like less frequent occasions, how many Ramadans do you have to sit around the, fa around the table with your family right now? Because maybe the day will come and you'll get married and you'll move out. And then you'll not be sitting with your parents to have iftar. They may be alive, but you may not be having iftari with them. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, how many Eids do I have with my kids when they're younger? Not many. Depends on what you consider young. If we count young up until like eight, that's like 16 Eids, man. That's all I got. Like, maximize those. You know what I'm saying? Like, maximizing it. Um... So, it's really, it's really a question not of, are we going to die? It's a matter of, how are we going to live? And that's, that's the interesting thing about remembering death. The benefit of remembering death is that it imbues our lives with, uh, with like vividness and urgency. No? 
It should. That's the value of remembering death. It should, it should really inspire us to be people of urgency. How many of us are held back, number one, by this thought that I have a lot of time? And because of that thought, we actually hold ourselves back from doing so much. We hold ourselves back from being happy. Do you believe that? See, in our emotional, uh, you could say, waves that we experience, we might attribute it to other people that, yeah, this person's making me unhappy. But at a certain level, we actually have a choice. Do you get what I'm saying? At a certain level, we have a choice where we can let things go. Imagine someone has one year left to live, not even one month. What benefit do they have when they have one month, one month left? Let's say somebody bumps them. You think they're going to take it personally? It's all good. They're just going to be happy to be alive, valuing the moments. You know, existential philosophy, you know, some researchers, they look at like, what, is, what really contributes to a subjectively meaningful existence? Where like, a person feels like their life and their existence is meaningful. What contributes to it? And, and they said there's three things mainly. Number one, coherence. The idea that your life makes sense. That's one of the main benefits of religion. Religion weaves together a story for you. And it's not, remember, it's not just religion weaves together some type of, you know, feel-good story. We have to believe in religion and its teachings as a reality, an objective reality. One of the benefits, I mean, is that it, it tells you where you came from. Can you imagine having no idea where you came from and how you ended up alive? Like why you're alive? Why your unborn brother is not alive? Like you ever thought about that? You, you get what I'm saying here? And it's hard to make sense of it. It's, it's puzzling. Like I, I don't know why I'm here. I didn't sign up to be here. Neither did you. But here we are. We're going through these times that are absolutely incredible. It's like every day brings something new that you sit there and go, ah, what's wrong with the world? But here we are. Oh, here we are. Where are we going? I don't know. Where are we going? Religion weaves together a story for you. Along the way, when things happen, we ask questions. Why did this happen? It's not enough for us to just accept that things happened. We always want to know why. This is built into the human, to want to know why. So we ask why, why. And you have to come up with some explanation. One of the most painful things is to sit there perplexed, with no closure. You know what I'm talking about? It hurts. It's painful. You sit there like in the dark, wondering. So number one, coherence. People need coherence in their lives. That's why so often major events in your life that kind of tear apart the story that you told yourself, when the story falls apart, you feel like you've fallen apart. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, just imagine any major aspect of your life. Just, you know? Could I give you an example? But you're going to be like, dude, where'd you come up with that example from? But I'll give it to you because I know y'all are a safe space, right? Inshallah. 
We'll find out after <laughs> if I'm canceled. But example, um, imagine one day you woke up and your parents are not your parents. What would that do to your world? It turned upside down. You'd be like, I don't even know what to believe anymore. You see how like we weave together a story. Where did I come from? These human beings right here. Suddenly that part's not true. N n where do I go from here? Who are my parents? You ever, and, and sometimes people have to deal with that. They find out that this, these are not my actual biological parents. Then it becomes a search. Let me find my parents. For so many of us, we never had to experience that. You believe that your spouse loves you until you find out that they don't. Wait, so what else is a lie? You see how, you see how like, the story falls apart and the human being then feels like they've fallen apart. Does that make sense? We need coherence in our lives. We also need goals and a sense of purpose. Like there's something that I'm, I'm here to do. It cannot be that I'm just here to wake up you know, eat, I guess, go and do a bunch of things in an office, come back home at nighttime, eat, watch Netflix, go to sleep, rinse and repeat. Like, that can't be the culmination of human existence. Right? We all kind of agree upon that. You, you don't even have to be Muslim to feel that way. And then the last thing is existential mattering, which means... The belief that your actions actually matter to someone. That they carry significance beyond themselves. Your actions. That's why for a lot of people, they find a lot of purpose or meaning in having pets. Because you may feel like you don't matter to the world, but you know you matter to your cat. You know what I mean? Because without you, the cat, who knows? Will your siblings really take care of the cat? Probably not. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so, when we look at our lives, we have to ask ourselves, have we really spent some time trying to build coherence in our lives? Do we have a clear idea? That's what the Prophet ﷺ came to do, is to tell us where we came from, where we're going, and along the way, how we need to be. You know, it's crazy. How do you treat guests at your house? When they break a cup, what do you do? It's okay. No big deal, man. We'll clean it up. We got it. Right? Bro, aren't we all guests in life? No, that's what the Prophet told us. He said, live in this world like you're a traveler. Like you're a stranger. So that means I'm a stranger, you're a stranger. We're all just guests on earth. We're guests in our houses. They're in our names today. hundred years from now, they're not in my name. They're not in your name. Somebody else took them over. We're just guests. And if we're guests, how should we treat each other? Think about someone who has a month left. Are they forgiving to people? Because they're like, man, I don't want to live my last month resentful. And I don't want to talk to you. And, you know? I'm upset about that. How could you say that? We're just like, come here, man. Life is short. You know, we're not going to hold these grudges. You know what I'm saying? People towards the end of their lives, I've seen people, lifelong grudges, and at the end, they forgive. You know what's crazy? It's like, life is so nice after forgiveness. Why didn't you do that for 60 years? You could have actually enjoyed 
each other's company for 60 years, if you could just forgive early on, only when you felt like, hey, I'm actually going to die now, let's forgive. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Like, why do that? Sometimes we hold ourselves back from being happy. We don't let ourselves be happy. And just because, again, because we're not accepting of death as a reality. That's this idea. If you deny and ignore death, you're actually going to end up denying a lot of the meaningful things in life. So you won't even live fully. Because you'll have grudges with these people. You will be too scared to do that. And you'll just be in your own little self-imposed cell. Until the day comes where you're like, you know, people have midlife crisis. You ever heard of midlife crisis? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Midlife crisis? What's a midlife crisis? It's, yeah. It's like when you start questioning everything you've been doing. Yeah, and it's crazy because it's after how many years usually? Like around 30, 40 years? You lived a certain life and then you say what? Wait, I'm going to die. Is this who I wanted to be all along? And people actually make drastic changes when they realize, wait, the past 30 years, I've actually just been living a life to make that person happy. I actually haven't lived my life. And then they try to make these changes. Do you understand what I'm saying? You could save yourself the hassle if early on you could make those decisions. You could commit to what you really believe in. Do you understand? The idea that I'm going to die... Because around 30, 40, people start to notice that, okay, my health is going down. Wake up in the morning for no reason, my back hurts. Like, you know what I mean? Like, people start noticing, okay, I, I guess death is a real thing, man. Like, it's coming. It starts to dawn upon you the reality of it. If it could dawn upon us earlier, subhanAllah, we could be so much more present with the people around us in our relationships. You know, people who express regrets towards the end of their life, it's usually people that postponed profound activities that really would give them meaning. Things like practicing religion. Things like appreciating beauty. Or spending more time with loved ones. Do you know what I'm saying? I've seen it so many times. Parents get to a certain age, where now they're trying to retire or whatever. So now what do they have? They have a lot of free time. So what do they say? Oh, now I'm going to spend time with my kids. And their kids are doing what? Out of the nest. So then they're kind of just left at home. Do you see what I'm saying? Wait, oh parents, you had these kids in your house every single day. What if you were just to value their presence and that relationship with them whilst they were there in your house? If you could strike a balance in your life so you could appreciate their presence. Do you understand? That's, that's what the remembrance of death does for a person is it helps a person realize that it's urgent, man. Like, today I need to make the changes so that I'm maximizing my life. Do you get what I'm saying? Let me read to you a poem from the great Maulana Rumi. He says, on the day I die, when I'm being carried toward the grave, don't weep. Don't say, he's gone, he's gone. He said, De death has nothing to do with going away. The sun sets and the moon sets, but they're not gone. Death is really a coming together. The tomb looks like a prison, but it's really a release into union. The human seed goes down in the ground like a bucket into the well where Joseph is. 
it grows and comes up full of some unimagined beauty. Your mouth closes here, and immediately it opens with a shout of joy there. Do you understand? For the believer, death is not the end. Death is what you've always been working for. It's what you've been investing towards, contributing towards. And that's why the people who've made an effort to contribute to it, look forward to it. That's why Bilal is passing away and he's happy. Right? Sometimes we wonder, when I pass away and I stand before God, how am I going to stand before Him? So some say, well, it's how you stand before Him in this world. What's the state of you standing before Him in prayer? Every single day, five times a day, what's the state? Are you standing before Him? Do you know what I'm saying? And so how you stand before God in this world will be how, it's, it's a reflection of how you will stand before God in the hereafter. Some said that the true friend of God remembers death at least 20 times every single day. And again, it's not a matter of remembering death to just be really sad and gloomy, but actually to say, really? Like death could be around the corner and I'm actually gonna like hold on to this grudge and just keep this fight going. Like imagine we could put our egos aside and say, hey, I'm sorry. That was my bad, I didn't mean that. Like, life is too short for us to keep this grudge going. Because I don't want this to be the last thing that we say to each other. Do you get what I'm saying? You see how powerful the ego is, though? It holds us back. And then people regret. And they regret, like, man, I didn't realize that they were going to go so quick. You know, there's, a, there's an interesting book. It's called A Year to Live. By a man named Stephen Levine, I would say. L-E-V-I-N-E. -E. Essentially, he wrote a book where he describes about his, his experience imagining that the, the year ahead of him was his last year to live. And he made an effort to live in such a way as though it was really his last year. And he talks about some of the things he would do. Like he talks about what's called a life review. Like have you ever sat down, looked back on your life and said what? What are all those things up until now that I'm grateful for. Maybe it's time to go and say thank you. Maybe it's that teacher in school that had such a profound impact on you. To go visit them or send them an email and say, hey, I just want to say I'm thank you. I'm grateful for your impact on my life. Maybe it's that friend that you grew up with and you fell out of touch to re reconnect. There are so many things that impacted our lives growing up to go back and just reflect. There's actually research, very interesting research from the University of Washington about how remembrance of death leads to more gratitude for just the everyday things. Like you wake up, you go outside, you see the sunset or the sunrise and you're like, subhanAllah. You just, you kind of stand in awe, grateful to Allah for the ability to witness that. Something that's there every day. It's there, but we're not there. Do you understand? It's there. We're just not there to see it. Or we haven't opened up the eyes of our heart to see it. And so we're not grateful for these things. Like, I'm grateful. Like, as I'm speaking right now, I'm thinking about, like, man, the blessing of coming together like this in this room. SubhanAllah. There are people around the world... You know, like online you talk to people, 
There are people who live in like European countries which don't have like either a masjid nearby, or if they have a masjid, nothing happens in their masjid. It's like empty. I've had people message about when they hear about Wijha or they see online, they're like, man, I wish I had this in my community. And I'm like, I'm just so blessed to be able to get together with you guys. You know, have food together, just like talk, get connect. This is a blessing, man. Yeah, well, I lived in France for seven years. Yeah. And I could imagine, I can't imagine that it was like that. It's the, great. The it's, it's just was empty always. So I oh, wow. told my husband I want to go to Canada. No, it's a good idea, I think. France, yeah. France, not it. France, not it, yo. It might be for a vacation max, like have a few baguettes or something, but it is not it, yo. Let's put it that way. Even if in a party, you get only one baguette and a soup. Okay. Okay. SubhanAllah. Welcome to Canada, man. Alhamdulillah, we're good here, right? Um, but no, you get what I'm saying? Like, we're blessed, man. Um... You know, Stephen Levine, he says, Don't assume that dying will prepare you for death. When the time actually comes, what is found then will be what is found now. If you feel fear, fear or regret right now, he says, expect to feel it then too. You ever met somebody who says, you know what? I've done everything. I've paid off my, my dues. I've paid off my debts. Uh, I've made amends with the people. I'm ready to go. You ever met people like that? I've met people in old age who are like, I'm ready to go. And it's funny because everyone around them is like, don't say that, you know, like, don't say that. They're like, you know what? I've made peace with death. They're not asking for death. But they're, they're at peace with it. And many of us, we have this fear. Um, now, Levine says, preparing for death means exploring and making friends with pain, fear, and a loss of control. And can you do that? Can you make, a, can you make friends with that? Say like, so, you know, I've accepted that it might come to me at any moment. And let me try to live in a way that if it were to come to me, I would not flee from it. You're right? Okay, I want to read one, uh, one little anecdote to you. And then we'll, we'll finish inshallah. It's a really nice one. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. I think it's very profound. And it just highlights to us number, just a bunch of things. You could take a lot from here. So, yeah, let me read it to you. And then actually, if you have, I'd like to hear from you guys a little bit. Like, what really stood out to you guys? Okay. An unborn set of twins are having a conversation in their mother's womb. Tell me, do you believe in life after birth? Asks one of the twins. What? Tell me. Do you believe in life after birth? Asks one of the twins. Yes, definitely. In here, we're growing and we're gaining strength for what will face us on the outside, answers the other. That is utter nonsense, says the first one. There can't be life after birth. How's that supposed to look, may I ask? I don't exactly know myself, but it will certainly be much lighter out there than it is in here. And perhaps... We'll be running around on our legs and eating with our mouths. I've never heard such nonsense. Eating with your mouth? What a crazy idea. That's what we have umbilical cords for, to feed us. And you want to run around? It would never work. The umbilical cord is much too short. It will work for sure. It will all be a little different. 
You're crazy. Nobody's ever come back from after birth. <laughs> Life ends with our birth and that's it, period. I must admit that nobody knows what life will look like after our birth, but I know that we'll get to see our mother and that she'll take care of us. Mother? You're really trying to tell me you believe in a mother? Well then, where, where, where is this mother? Here, all around us. We are alive in her and through her. Without her, we cannot exist. Rubbish. I've never noticed anything of a mother, therefore a mother cannot exist. It's true. Sometimes, when you're in silence, and you focus, and you listen, you can perceive her presence. And you can hear her loving voice calling down from above. Okay, we'll end the live stream now, inshallah. وَلِكُلٍّ وِجْهَةٌ هُوَ مُوَلِّيهَا فَاسْتَبِقُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ أَيْنَمَا تَكُونُوا يَأْتِ بِكُمُ اللَّهُ جَمِيعًا إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ